this day last week as I was driving here to meet with my brothers and sisters as the Bible commands us to do, I felt the Holy Spirit say very clearly that he was going to start breaking out in spontaneous healing right throughout the building, out in the corridors, down at the front door, on the street outside, in the bathrooms, in the atrium, in here, wherever we are, God was going to break out with spontaneous healing. And it was so strong with me, um, I announced it last week, and it gave us a week to prepare. And so the word I'm going to share today is in keeping with that. And I want to do it to obey what I strongly sense is what the Holy Spirit is saying. So if you're up for it, I hope you can join me with prayer and pray that God would break into your life today. Amen. You might need healing, but maybe someone you love does. It mightn't be physical, maybe it's emotional or mental, but the Jesus I read about in the Bible, the Jesus I have experienced over 42 years, is a God who breaks out in healing right throughout our lives. So I'm going to ask you, would you stand and would you join me in prayer? Let's pray, but I want you to pray for yourself. Pray for you. Pray for the people you're here representing. I ask you now, Lord, for each individual standing and praying, whether it's us here or it's people we love at home, I pray, O oh God, that today would be the beginning of a journey where healing would break out in bodies, minds, hearts and souls. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Let's take our seats. Spontaneous healing. Is this for you? You may not be ill now. You may not be sick now. I don't need healing now, thank God. But guess what? You and I live in a broken world, don't we? Okay, if you're not sure about that, let me tell you, you do. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that has fallen. And the Bible says the wages of sin are what? Death. Death. So the whole of creation where we read in Romans is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God, of what is to come. Creation is groaning for something to happen. But every now and again, God, by his Holy Spirit, breaks in to the present, and he does something wonderful. So while we look forward, and you sang it a while ago, on the day when we will rise again with all the saints, and that's not... I don't know, Saint Philomena or whatever. That's everyone who was born again. That's what saint means. We will rise in robes of white. We'll say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you're indifferent to that, can I encourage you? Read it up in the Bible. This is a fantastic future we have. Hallelujah. And personally, I find it hard to be indifferent anytime we sing or read it because it's so real. And it is the truth of God's word. Man didn't say it. God did. So I will trust what God says. So maybe you don't feel you need healing. And that's fine. This is not some coercion thing. But for anyone who does, for yourself or for the people you love, Michael and I are going to deliberately pray out in the corridors because we believe this can happen anywhere. 
particularly around the building. And we want to be faithful to that word. So we're going to anoint people just briefly with oil. And today is the start of the journey. And in the new year, we're going to have a first Friday where we're going to anoint with oil and pray a bit longer and a bit deeper. So if you will, over the next um, season, we're going to pray that God would unleash and begin spontaneous healing in people's lives. We're about to come into Christmas. You're probably going to give someone a gift or maybe a lot of gifts. You're probably going to receive a gift. I hope you do. It's a lovely thing to happen. But you know what? A wonderful gift for you or the person you love to be healed. Mm -hmm. No, I prefer soap and a rope, really. I prefer aftershave. I'd really prefer um, a new blows. Healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What a wonderful gift. This is a very basic scripture, but it's a scripture we all need to be reminded of or maybe to know. Everything I'm doing today, I'm speaking to three groups of people. For some of you, I hope I can plant a seed where you'll begin to realize for the first time, perhaps, that Jesus can heal. We prayed for a guy with cancer earlier on who this is all new to him, but something in him is drawing him in here. I believe God can heal him of cancer. Hallelujah. We heard a wonderful testimony um, just a couple of weeks ago on our Thanksgiving Friday night uh, where a young girl at the age of 16 who was born profoundly deaf was healed miraculously of her deafness. God spoke to her and she's here singing, hallelujah. We've had people here healed of cancer. We had children running around here earlier and the doctor told their parents, you will never have children. And without anything artificial, even though the doctor said no, Jesus said yes. Can I plant the seed for some of you that God can do miracles? For many others, the seed is in your soul. Perhaps today is a germination, that we can germinate that, bring it and help that little bit of faith you have to grow a little more and get a bit stronger. And there's probably another group of people here and you're already there and this is for you to start reaping healing in your life. Hallelujah. So I'm speaking to all of you about that, but this scripture is the first one that we need need to know. James 5.14, this is speaking to you and to me. Is any among you sick? Let them call on the pastors of the church to pray, pray the prayer of faith over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the Lord will restore their health. I don't really believe that. I do. I do. We were praying at half past nine. We have an early morning prayer meeting. And one of the guys who's a GP, a doctor, he prayed and he said, it doesn't say the Lord might restore your health. It doesn't say that if you're really good, the Lord will restore your health. It says the Lord will restore your health. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's have a little bit of faith. If I can encourage you, maybe some people would see it as a challenge, but the whole world out there is skeptical. It's actually cynical. But in the Bible, if you're cynical, nothing's going to happen. Jesus didn't perform many miracles in Nazareth. Anyone tell me why? 
There was very little faith there. The people didn't believe. If you don't want to believe, that's your choice. Of course it is. But you won't get a miracle. You will not get a miracle. But if you have a little bit of faith, he's the God of miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to look at this guy, Naaman, just briefly. 2 Kings 5, Old Testament. He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Syrian. He was the second most important man in the empire. It was a huge empire. Only the king was more important. He was a celebrity in his culture. He had won all the battles. Everyone wanted to be with this guy, but he became sick. Not only did he become sick, he became sick with probably the worst disease you could have back then, and that was leprosy. Because we come out of a pandemic, many of you had to isolate for a week or two weeks or something like that. Well, if you had leprosy, you isolated the rest of your life. You never saw your loved ones again. You had to live in a leper colony. You can walk down to Tivoli, about 10-15 minutes walk from here. And there's a hill with beautiful houses called Lover's Walk. And a lot of people say, what a lovely name. But actually from the Irish, it was Leper's Walk. It's where the leper colony in Cork back in the 16 and 1700s were. If you were going to a church back then, you had to enter by a different door. You had to stay in a separate area. You lived a terribly isolated life. So this famous mighty man naturally, got sick and a servant girl in his house who was Jewish, who was an Israelite, advised him to do something. Let's see what God's word says. 2 Kings 5, Naaman, commander of the Syrian army, friend of the king, became sick with leprosy. And he was advised to go for healing prayer to the prophet Elisha. But when he arrived at Elisha's house, he did so with all his horses and chariots. But Elisha just sent out a messenger to him saying, Go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you will be healed. So he didn't even see the prophet. He just got one sentence. What was his response? Naaman became furious and said, I thought this prophet would come out to meet me, stand and call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the place and heal me. And are there not far greater rivers to go to than this little river Jordan? However, when Naaman finally obeyed the word and dipped seven times in the river Jordan, he was fully healed of his leprosy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What has that got to do with our lives today, particularly here today, as we're about to pray a little later on for healing? Look at verse 11. First of all, he said, why didn't the prophet come out to meet me? It's important that we have a humble heart, that we're not full of our own self-importance. This guy had bought into the celebrity culture he lived in. A lot of people today have bought into the celebrity culture. We think some music star or sports star or I don't know real life TV star is more important than others no they're not nobody is more important than anyone else but he thought he was more important and until his humility came he wasn't healed so it's important that we don't uh, get filled with our own self-importance he also said why didn't Elisha come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord that's because God can heal 
through a silent prayer as well as a public prayer. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. You see, we can ghettoize, we can typecast prayer and say that prayer has to be a certain way. As a young Christian, I thought prayer was sitting in a circle and everyone took their turn to pray out loud. That's one of the ways we can pray, but that's not the only way. Sometimes the cry of your heart is a prayer. Sometimes our prayers are said within our souls. We don't even vocalize them. So Elisha did not have to come out and do a public prayer. Again, this guy had bought into just a very shallow way of looking at how God can heal. And I'm here today to encourage us to try and not fall into that trap. He goes on to say, why didn't he wave his hand over the place? He was looking for full-on drama, if you will. Sometimes God works that way, but God can do it in a very understated way as well. In fact, sometimes God's healing is what I would call subterranean. It's like, did someone pray? Like, were they fasting? No, he just healed them. He just healed them. So again, Naaman didn't get that, but he got it in the end. Finally, he said, are there not far greater rivers? We're about to celebrate the birth of Jesus over the next month. It's coming up. This is the last Sunday in November. We celebrate the birth of the King of Glory who decided, who chose to be born in a stable, in a small town in the back hills of a remote province in the world. That's the God we serve, and that should tell all of us that our significance is in him, not in our circumstances. Our significance is in the Lord, not in how much we earn, not in what car we drive, not in how beautiful your clothes are, not how good-looking you are, not how talented you are. Our significance is in him, and our healing is in him. It's nothing to do with how we look or what we've achieved. It's to do with the Christ who was moving in power through his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And when he grasped this and listened to advice, we're told finally, when he or when Naaman obeyed and dipped in the river Jordan, he was healed. So it's not that there was magic in the river. God was testing his heart. Will you obey? Elisha, under the guidance of the Lord, had put him in a position where he had to humble himself. And maybe some of us today have to humble ourselves. Maybe you were like me before I was a Christian. I used to laugh at people who believed in God. I remember declaring around the campfire at a big music festival when I was a teenager, God is dead! I don't say that anymore. I say God is alive. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes you've got to humble yourself. And he had to humble himself and go in a little remote muddy river. What does it matter once we obey God? And he was healed. When we move into the New Testament, look at some of these other scriptures. Acts 5.15. People carried their sick or those with unclean spirits. They laid them on mats in the street, and as Peter passed by, his shadow fell on them, and all of them were healed. Here we see that God just did miracles, and Peter was just walking by. Did Peter even realize this? We don't know. He probably had some idea, 
But the thing is that Peter was just a man. Peter had a lot of issues that he was dealing with, like you, like me. But Peter had a sincere faith in the living God. And Peter was giving his life to the Lord. And just as he was walking by, something of the Holy Spirit spontaneously began to break out. And there's a whole study in it. But anyone in the shadow was healed. If God could do it then, do you think he could do it today? Maybe I'm not saying any of us here are someone like that. But God can heal in the street. Do you think he can heal out in McCurtain Street? I believe he can. God is not bound in with buildings. God breaks out of buildings. The word of the Lord and the spirit of God is not held in by anything in our heads. So people saw healing in the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit had come on the day of Pentecost. Power was all over. Uh, People were getting saved, healed and delivered. It gets even more strange as we continue reading the history of the early Christian church because the book of Acts is really the history of our movement, of our church when it began. And if you come from a Catholic background, maybe you find it strange. But again, I want to challenge because if, like me, you thought this was strange, God can move in different ways. We're told in Acts 19, the Lord gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when pieces of cloth that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were cast out. Whoa. Michael is not going to start a ministry of the holy handkerchief where you give him 50 euro and he's going to give you a holy handkerchief. None of I know, I know, what can I say? All right, so we will so, okay? <laughs> Here we see, remember it said unusual, it was the same as Peter. This wasn't the normal way. The normal way is you call on the pastors of the church, pray the prayer of faith and anoint you with oil. But sometimes God moves outside that. Sometimes it's just been in the street where something is happening, in the building where something is happening. Sometimes it's something even as unusual as this. We cannot just say to God, you can only heal this way. And I want to encourage and challenge all of us. You could be standing at work. You could be sitting at your desk in work. You could be filling the dishwasher. And the Holy Spirit can move in you. You can feel his presence as you're going to bed. You could be driving your car and know he's in the car with you. And he could begin to heal your bones. Heal your heart, heal your mind. That's the God of the Bible. I'm here today as a voice trying to encourage, to plant, to germinate, to see fruit from that. Look at this scripture, Acts 14. I preached on this a couple of years ago. We're told at Lystra, that's a modern day Turkey, a crippled man sat in the crowd. He was listening to Paul preach the gospel. Then Paul looked intently at him and seeing he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Immediately the man jumped up and began to walk. When you look at the context of this, it was out in the open, but there was a huge crowd there. What did Paul see in that man? 
And why didn't he heal any of the others there? I can guarantee you, I mean, the Bible doesn't say it, but you know it's true. There were those there with having a laugh at Paul. There were those there who were full of skepticism and cynicism. That's people's choice. But they left there sick. This man had faith and he left there healed. I want to be in his company. I want to be with the people of faith. Do you? I don't know. I'd rather be sick, really. <laughs> I tell you, the place was buzzing at the 10 o'clock meeting. I know there was healings happened after the 10 o'clock meeting. Maybe God can heal you. Maybe he can begin the process to heal you. This man, Paul looked at him intently. Oh, I'd love to have been at that meeting. I'd love to have seen what was going on. And whatever was in this man, he had faith to be healed. Sometimes we just have to have faith, as Jesus said, like a child. Don't complicate it. Don't analyze it to death. God has says it in his word, and I believe. It's not complicated. And this man believed, and he walked. Jesus can heal at a distance. Look at these three examples. The Syrophoenician woman's daughter, Mark 7. The Roman centurion's servant, Matthew 8. The Jewish official's son in John 4. They themselves were not sick. You may not need healing, but someone you love does. And they came to Jesus for healing. And I prayed for some people earlier on by proxy. And they said, can you pray for my sister or my dad or my son? Or whatever and I prayed by proxy over them and these people came to Jesus and they said they're sick can you heal them and Jesus didn't even see them he didn't go near them he didn't even pray he just said they're healed Amen. can he do it for you yes. I believe he can do it I don't know why God doesn't heal sometimes. We can't command it. We can't say, God, you must do it. All I know is that the tendency and the general direction of the Bible is for healing. And so I will go that way. I am not going to lose my faith if someone isn't healed. I don't have all the answers. But I do know that usually when we pray somehow or another, God heals. God heals. And we can be here today and pray for someone we love who's not here. Look at um, some of the high profile miracles that Jesus did. Because we're talking about low key ones. Look at the man who was born blind. And Jesus basically spat and mixed it with some earth and put it in his eye. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just silently say you're healed? Because the man needed to go on a journey and this was a tool, this physical emblem was to help him uh, on his journey to healing. And so Jesus did it. And if you read the story, it's very interesting because Jesus put it on his eye and then he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men walking around like trees. So he was partially healed. Maybe that's going to be your journey. But Jesus did this. He put the solution on the eyes again. And then the man was fully healed. Sometimes it's a journey. But Jesus did it in a very dramatic way. Everyone was watching on. 
And sometimes he works that way. And maybe your healing or the healing of someone you love will be dramatic. We also read that when Lazarus was dead and they were all crying and Jesus was crying. And then Jesus knew it was time for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. And we're told with a loud voice. I have a loud enough voice. I'm going to take away the microphone. Because Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he said it with a low voice and he wasn't ashamed. Hallelujah. He said it with a loud voice. And did Lazarus stay dead? No. Lazarus came out. Lazarus emerged from death. Everything this church is about, all the decades we've put into it, all our lives that we've poured into this, all our money that we've sunk into this, why do we do it? Because we want to see people coming from death to life. We want to see the power of God in the land of the living. Pointing to people to a great future if they are born again. But seeing some of that blessing here and now as well. I just speak prophetically. Lazarus came out covered and wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to the others, you unwrap him take it off him. God is saying to some people here, he's going to raise you up and he's going to raise some people here up who are going to be helpers to those who are healed. But you're going to come in and people are going to know the power of God and we have unbelievers in here all the time, people who don't know what they believe, but God's power is breaking out in their lives and we could sit in the seat of the scoffer and the cynic but you know, I'm not going to waste my life there's no fruit in that. I'm going to give my life to where life will come from. And we've seen people come to life, but they need others to be near them. They need those to unwrap the grave cloths around the dead man or the dead woman who is coming to life. Because we all come into the kingdom of God full of rubbish, full of silly thoughts. We buy the lie of the culture. The culture tells us there is no such thing as supernatural healing. My question to them and to anyone here who believes that is, how do you explain all these children running around? How do you explain the medical evidence? They can't explain it. And recently the World Health Organization came out and said, about a third of people get better and we have no idea. One in three, they have no idea of why people are recovering. Perhaps some of it is the Holy Spirit. Because when man says no, God says yes. So if God is raising you up to stand with those who are coming from death to life, will you help them take off the grave cloths, the cloths of the dead, so that they can be burned? That's what they would do with them. And you know what? Put on the clothes of the living. He's given me the garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Once I was lost. I can't hear you. Once I was lost. Can you say it louder? There are loads of hundreds of people watching and listening. Can you say it for them? Once I was lost. Hallelujah. Give yourselves a round of applause. Once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was dead, now I am alive. Hallelujah. We live in a very secular culture, 
And we live in a culture, praise God for medicine. Praise God. But God can also heal miraculously. Let me share one more scripture in this one. And it's a strange one. It wasn't a healing. Matthew 21. But Jesus was looking for fruit on the fig tree. But there was no fruit on the fig tree. And Jesus, and oh Jesus, this isn't very nice. But Jesus cursed the tree. And it withered. I believe. And that was so dramatic. But I know God is saying some of us have looked to alternative medicine. Maybe some here have looked to faith healers who call on a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit to heal. And God is saying he will wither and curse that healing because it's not from him. Perhaps some of us here need to silently just ask God to forgive us. If you're looking to some alternative, not talking about regular medicine, I'm talking about the, the um, spirituality of alternative. Uh, for example, we had someone in here a few years ago and they were quite sick, but they were going for crystals. And I said, really? You believe the crystals are going to heal you? Don't go to crystals, go to Jesus. Amen. 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 So God will wither and some of us here have gone there and we have no fruit and that's because Jesus isn't allowing it. Turn to the Lord today. Repent. Repent if you are going to the occult, to magic, to witches, to false healers. Repent. Do you know what they did in Ephesus? They burned Millions of euro worth of books and magic spells. They had a big bonfire. Why? Because they had repented. Burn your past and allow God to move. Because he will heal. That's the God of the Bible. Let me conclude by just sharing a a quote from a man who saw tens of thousands of people healed, hundreds of thousands of people saved. He was from Germany. He only went home to be with the Lord about four or five years ago, but his name was Reinhard Bonke. He spent so much of his money all over the world, including here in Cork, reaching out to people. But I love what Reinhard Bonke said. The Holy Spirit is a healing spirit. When the Holy Spirit is present, anything is possible. Therefore, faith is a leap into the light, not a step into the darkness. So if you're unsure about healing, this is just the beginning of a process. It's a season. There's no need for you to come up for us to be prayed over. We won't take offense. You could be on a different journey, but I will say this. When we go to God with a request, with healing of body, of mind, of heart, it's not a step into the darkness. We're going closer to the light. And God likes that and God loves it when we look to him because he is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And he's here. And he's moving. Don't be like the people of Nazareth. Can you say amen? Amen. Be like the people in the rest of Galilee. Be like the man that Paul saw, who was full of faith. He was expecting God to move. Could we all stand? If you're going to pray for healing for yourself or someone else, just where you stand. And please, there's no pressure. But I invite you to lift both your hands to heaven. And we pray now, O God, 
that into our lives, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, or into the lives of the people we are praying for right now. We ask you, O oh God, that spontaneous healing of every description would begin to break out throughout this building, throughout our lives. I pray for every house, every apartment, every room that is represented by a hand lifted to heaven here. And I pray your healing power would break out in our homes, in our bedrooms, in the kitchen, in our cars. Oh God, we pray, let healing begin and let this Christmas time be a season of full restoration of body, mind and soul in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen.